to the Tuscarawas County Anti-Drug Coalition podcast, bringing you open and honest conversations about resources in Tuscarawas County. Now here's your host, Jody Salvo. Hi, this is Jody Salvo. Welcome to another Tuscarawas County Anti-Drug Coalition podcast. Today we're going to continue our series um, in partnership with um, the Tuscarawas County Suicide Coalition. And uh, this is a fun one for me because you know, sometimes we just need to understand why we do what we do. And we're, I'm sitting at a table with faces from the Suicide Coalition and from a beloved school, Tuscarawas, uh, Tusky Valley. Um, I'm a little biased. My children went there and I love the work that Tus- Tusky Valley does to meet the needs of students and community. So with that being said, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the efforts Tuskegee Valley has implemented and, and some other districts have within Tuscarawas County um, to address mental health issues and challenges that our young people might have. And so I'm going to start just introducing Jen. Hi, I'm Jen Dotto. Thanks for having us here today. We really appreciate it. Sure. Jen, can you tell us a little bit about your work here? Um, I help with the, oh, or the <laughs> I guess the suicide coalition for Tuscarawas County, and I'm part of the Sur- survivors of suicide loss. And um, me and Christy help raise funds for our area to help our local schools with hope squads, uh, the coalition, and people struggling to get by on day to day needs and struggling with suicide and mental health. Okay, so thank you, Jen. I appreciate the work you do and uh, the heart that's behind yes. that. So the Suicide Coalition raises funds. Now, how do you raise funds? Um, currently, we are planning our, what is this, our fourth or fifth annual, oh, sixth annual, annual walk. Um, okay. It'll be at Tuscora Park on October 2nd. So we're raising funds for that. That money we put out in scholarships okay. for local teens who are continuing education for um, counseling in the mental health area. We help work with our local schools and giving them money to help establish hope squads. That is awesome. So thank you, Jen, for what you do. Um, let's go over to Mandy. Uh, my name is Mandy McAwee. I am the high school counselor at Tusky Valley. Um, and we have worked um, with survivors of suicide in the past, um, especially um, trying to get our hope squad off the ground a few years ago. So they were a vital part of that. Awesome. Thanks, Mandy. Jason. Hi, I'm Jason Phillips. I'm the high school principal at Tuskegee Valley. And I guess my role at the very beginning of this, um, Mandy, along with Katie Wells, who um, wasn't able to be here today to talk, came to me and and had an idea, thought that we needed to um, look at a program called Hope Squad and would I be on board and supporting it and, and making it take off. And I said, sure. And then, so actually then we partnered with the Survivors of Suicide and They've been a great um, support financially and, and also, also with some of the training that we've had to do. Nice. Before we further our conversation, I just kind of want to interject some statistics. I am sure this was kind of what primed the prompt to get the Hope Cause Squads started here in Tuscarawas County. So I just want to share some of this data. Um, so every two to three years in Tuscarawas County, we survey our students at our school districts, and then um, we have youth data, and then we have adult data, and we compile that into a Tuscarawas County report. So the, I'm going to just throw out a couple statistics for y'all, and I want 
I want you just to hear what I'm saying first, um, because these numbers are probably going to shock you a little bit. And then I'm going to say, last fo- fast forward to a pandemic. And um, I just sent an email out before I came over here to superintendents that it's time to resurvey our students in the fall. And honestly, it kind of really concerns me, and I'm sure it does you as well, of what we're going to see out of those results. So I think what I'm going to say here is probably not even going to be the reality of what our young people are experiencing right now. So in 2018, Tuscarawas County, or Tuscarawas County youth said 17% of our youth had seriously considered attempting suicide in the past year. Okay, so 17% of our young people considered suicide. 8% attempted it in 2018. And then here's some other statistics. 28%, now I need to put that into numbers, about 2,504 youth reporting feeling sad or hopeless every day for um, two weeks or more. I mean, when you think... 2,000 students, what, is our population about 92,000 here in the county? I mean, that kind of takes my breath away. Mm -hmm. Um, If we break that down into attempted suicides, it's like 715 of our young people. Um, And then 4% made more than one attempt. So that's 2018 data. And I, I need us to hear about, hear about this, think about this, because the work we all do is to protect our young people, to build up our families and our communities, and c- clearly our young people are struggling here. Um, and what do you guys think are the number one stressors young people experience? I'm going to cheat because I have the data, so I'll see what you guys think. Uh, I don't know if this is like an official title, <laughs> but the number one stressor is being a high school student and being a teenager. I, I just think it's hard and yeah. it's more and more difficult with social media. And we, we deal with that a lot yeah. um, b- because it's less personal. It's less personal to hurt somebody. And it's also less personal for those being hurt to yeah. reach out and talk to somebody. And I think that's where well, putting in Hope Squad has been great to help bridge that gap with some communication. I think we're also seeing two sides of the spectrum where, um, you know, we have students um, that that we've seen struggle in the past, even when this wasn't such a vital conversation to have um, where home life is definitely dictating um, what's going on with them. But we're also seeing on the other side of the spectrum, um, students who are putting that stress back on themselves, especially academically, um, the stress level yeah. is unbelievable for these kids. Now, Mandy, I have to say, the youth reported, at least back in 2018, academic stress was their number one I'm reason. <laughs> <laughs> but being that being said, my goodness, that whole cyber life where young oh. people live in, you know, they're swiping and they're seeing everybody's life looks perfect. You know what I mean? No one's posting what a mess is going on, you know? So I think, you know, just living in this world and then, you know, the interactions being teenagers, like you said, it's just part of being a a young person. And then you take away social interaction and all the impact of COVID. So, man, I can't even imagine what it's going to look like when we get that survey data next year. But as we speak about that, you guys created a solution back in what, what year did y'all start the Hope Squad? Oh my gosh. Um, 
might have been around. So this would have been our second. This is our second year. full year of limp implementation. And so the spring before that, so is was when, when we, we were trained. Trained, okay. and we yeah. started getting students involved. Sounds good. And that probably was in response to this data right here. I wouldn't oh, be surprised. Absolutely. We were also seeing um, that spike in cases in Stark County oh, at that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it, it honestly, um, we, we talk about this point a lot. It was um, just kind of by the grace of God. It was, it was a really strange um, time. We were seeing the spike in Stark County. Um, we had had a conversation in the guidance department with our superintendent um, and without sharing said these, this is how many red flags we're dealing with right yeah. now, which I think, you know, shocked some of the administration. Um, and so it just so happened that, that Katie came back from a conference at the same time, all of this happened within perfect a, a week or two. It was the perfect storm. storm. That's exactly what it was. Um, and, and she brought this idea and we were like, this is, this is what we need. This yeah. is what we need right now. So. Right. Yeah. I think the numbers that you talked about are super important and to relate it like right at home. Yeah. When we had a staff meeting and we talked about 8%, you know, an 8%, that's great. It's eight out of a hundred. But when we started putting it, into like Tusky Valley numbers. Mm -hmm. And I said, so just, you know, imagine our, our, if we're right at a hundred per class, we have 400 students that attend the high school. Yeah. That means 32 of them have attempted. And I and, know y'all love each one of your absolutely. students. So when you and, put it to that terms. Right. And I, and uh, the staff was really a number of them just were amazed and they're like, that doesn't seem possible. And we said, that's 32 that have attempted the number just goes up higher when we talk about the number, the number of people who have considered the number of people who have created plans, yeah, but haven't got to the point of attempting. And so it was a real wake up call for a, a number yeah. of people. We are going to talk about what the hope squad is in a second, but I want listeners to understand contemplating suicide is a complicated issue, you know, and, and, I think a lot of these mental health issues, substance use issues, our generation really, we didn't know a lot about it. We didn't speak a lot about it. There was stigma associated with it. So I don't know if we always understand what this looks like for our young people, but it's not always the student you think this might be. You know, a lot of times I was actually taking a class recently and it's our overachieving, a lot of times it's our overachieving students, you know, that need everything to be perfect and they need a certain grade. And, you know, um, sometimes it's just a whole bunch of life incidents. You know, it's not usually just one thing going on. Um, I think nowadays a lot of the kids are looking for acceptance. Yeah. And that's where they're the overachievers because they're trying to fit in with their peers. Yeah. And when they don't reach their goals that they have set that sometimes may be unrealistic, yeah. then the depression starts setting in and it'll snowball from there. Yeah. I think we also dealt a lot um, when we were in high school, when our generation, you know, I felt like more of the pressure was coming from the parents to be academically sound yeah. and, and, and to have a good future and to attend college, where what I see coming out of my office is that the students are putting the pressure on themselves. I deal, we deal with it in our own homes. Yeah. Um, and so how do we change that mindset that, you know, 
being number one on Instagram or <laughs> having straight A's, it's, it's, it's not, it's, it's not life or death right, at this point. Right, right. Yeah. So as we started this conversation, tell us about the Hope Squad. This is one of the solutions that your district, what other districts have Hope Squads at this point? So in Tusk County, Strasburg is really close to having okay. Hope Squad set up. Um, I believe Dover is in the beginning phases of it and um, Indian Valley is also um, starting talks and, and I okay. know it was restyled to Christy um, about you know the different parts of QPR and different things that are involved with the whole program. Very good. So with that, what is the Hope Squad? I'll let Mandy start. <laughs> okay, Mandy. <laughs> um, Hope Squad, as presented by by the program, is a peer-to-peer suicide prevention program. Okay. Um, so what we basically do um, while certifying the, the students in QPR, and I'll, I'll let Jen talk about okay, QPR, okay. Um, while we also certify the, the students in QPR, um, we are giving them tools and we are training them to deal with some of the situations um, that our young people are dealing okay. with. Um, I think at the beginning, we had a lot of questions and concerns about how are we going to put this stress on these kids? Um, how do we expect them to help other students? Um, and how do they have the tools? And what we found, at least at Tuskegee Valley, was the kids were already dealing with this situation. They were already getting texts and calls in the middle of the night with friends that were struggling. Um, so our goal with Hope Squad was certainly to um, equip the, the students okay. um, with the tools that they needed um, to help, uh, not diagnose, not counsel, um, but just give some assistance. And, and that's where QPR definitely comes in. Um, I think with Tusky Valley, we kind of, um, we always call it Tusky Valley and tized something. Tusky Valleyized <laughs> something. Um, so our Hope Squad actually turned into not just the suicide prevention, um, but we also started to institute it with every student in the building. Um, so it was kind of a you know like a like a mental health um, support system for staff and students. Okay. So the entire student body. Um, we also rolled in school spirit and unity with that. Um, so we've done a number of different things um, while building on what Hope Squad is. Okay. That's brilliant because stigma is probably still that number one problem we have with addressing mental health challenges. So making it not just about a mental health crisis and then opening up to, it sounds like a support network. Absolutely. Um, helps decrease stigma. Certainly yeah. the prevention. And when we talk about prevention, not so much somebody contacts a Hope Squad member and says, I'm planning on attempting suicide this weekend and preventing that. That's obviously one level. But we're talking about preventing the thoughts of suicide to ever enter. Okay. To prevent students from getting to the place where they feel like that's their only way to succeed. Okay. Um, and so she had mentioned, you know, we set up groups and, and it was all again, part of our, the timing was okay. just right. I had gone to actually the same conferences Katie had, and I was sitting down with one of our elementary principals and she talked about doing tribe times where everybody in the school met, get, get together in small groups of 10 to 12. Neat. And so we adjusted that a little bit for the high school. And we had some teachers that led these groups, but we had all of our Hope Squad members lead the groups. 
and we set it up so that freshmen through seniors were in each group, complete random. So we had, you know, the athletes with non-athletes, the band members with the wrestlers, um, yeah. art people with, and it just didn't matter. It didn't matter age, didn't matter what sex they were, didn't matter any of that. And then we just taught, we had different um, topics that we talked about once a month. We got together and talked about really life okay. instead of high school academics. It was high school life type things and how to, um, you know, how to be able to handle situations and, so is that part of the Hope Squad program or is that kind of that? That was a little bit of the extra that we, added, <laughs> yeah, that we added in. Um, you know, we have the Hope Squad. We have a Hope Squad room, what's called a recharge room, where students can go anytime during the day. Um, it's manned by a Hope Squad member. They're just to listen, sometimes give support. Um, but the QPR training that they've gone through, they can very quickly now, because they're trained, determine whether or not this is just where they just need to listen and give some support or they need to walk with them and, and get them more help that they, you know, again, sure. they're not trained to be the counselors and, and, and that type of thing. And so I, I want to talk a lot more about the design, but I think I've heard QPR four or five yeah. times now. Yes. So I think Jen, it is your turn. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about QPR. QPR stands for question. Um, persuade and refer or refer and it's um, knowing the signs symptoms different things with people to see um, people that are struggling it's being able to ask somebody okay. if they're suicidal if they thought about completing suicide um, helping them get help that they need okay and like with the hope squad with the students there it would be getting another student um, and bring them in to one of the counselors okay. or one of the teachers that can get them referred over to proper counseling. Okay. So we like to refer to it like as the middleman okay. that intervenes and helps that person get the help that they need to learn the coping skills that they can continue on in a healthy life. Nice. And that's so important. Um, clearly, I kind of deal in the drug world. <laughs> I, I'm just yeah. going <laughs> to, yeah. you know, with substance use and addiction a lot. And sometimes that barrier to getting the help you need is just so real. Yes. And sometimes you just need someone to kind of walk alongside you well before you're actually going to treatment right. or getting that yes. assessment. And, and I can just see that being a very similar process that, you know, sometimes it's scary. Mm-hmm. To go to an adult or a professional and say, you know, I'm thinking about ending my life or I'm thinking about X, Y, Z, you know, so I could see where a peer could be that person that you can say this, these things out loud. You've already framed it in a way that this is not, there's no judgment. This, this is a safe place. This is, we want you, we want us all to be comfortable speaking, sharing discussing hard things. Yes. And part of the QPR training is learning the words to use, mm. uh, the body language and the different mindset that you portray yeah. into helping somebody. Okay. You know, the different ways to ask, you know, you don't want to say, are you planning on hurting yourself? Because a lot of times somebody that is suicidal doesn't look like, or doesn't feel like they're hurting themselves. Yeah. They're ending 
um, I guess they're looking at it as ending all the bad things in their life and they're a burden onto other people. So to them, that's not like a self-harm type thing. If they're feeling like I'm a burden to somebody somebody else, I'm doing them a favor. So it's just kind of learning the words to use. Okay. So that's super helpful. So the young people are taught this process. Now are the adults taught the same process as well? Yeah. So we started off, um, with training our students. Okay. And then obviously we were trained as the advisors. And then the following fall, um, th- these ladies came in and presented and taught QPR to our entire staff. So okay. we may have a few new ones within the last year, but K-12, every educator okay. um, has been trained on, on QPR. And it's been great. Um, I, I mean, I could give a couple of exa- examples of just like Jen said about what words to use, um, what you see and maybe how you say it and, and breaking the stigma that it's bad to talk about suicide. It's bad to use the word suicide, um, and becoming more comfortable just to be able to have that conversation. And, um, and I know one specifically that sticks in my head within a couple of weeks of our training, um, a student came in, one of our teachers and was talking and, just said a few things and the teacher went right, right just there. to the, you know, we get, we got a little card to kind of, so we don't forget what we're doing. And he went through, asked a few questions. And then just like she said, he asked a big question. He just knew right away. And he didn't say, are you planning on hurting yourself? He said, and yeah, he just used the words. Do you have a plan to kill yourself? And the student answered yes. And then he knew what to do. And then, and, we took it, you know, took a totally different direction than maybe it would have had wow. he not been trained or um, wasn't comfortable with with having that type of conversation. So, so did you notice a definite increase on students reaching out to get help then at that point? Or absolutely, I think um, definitely with the recharge room, we were actually. Um, our tech department was hugely helpful in um, outfitting us with a Google check-in. Okay. So we actually get alerts when students check into the recharge room, and we can also um, uh, look at the data, you know, how many students are checking in, how many need assistance, how many went to a counselor at that point. Um, and I, I just felt like we were reaching a lot more students okay. because of the peer-to-peer interaction, and they weren't coming down to the, the school counselor's office and, and banging on the door and For saying, sure. I need help. So it, it just gave them another avenue. Nice, nice, nice. I will say the recharge room is absolutely amazing. Okay, tell us about the recharge room. <laughs> it is amazing. <laughs> it is. We were, we were lucky enough um, when we went to be uh, trained for Hope Squad, um, we visited another high school down in Cincinnati, and they had um, their version of a recharge room. And so we kind of built from that. Um, it was one of the big things that we did our, at our first Hope Squad retreat was the kids planned the room. Okay. Um, so we got to paint it and carpet it. <laughs> um, but it has everything from massage chairs to a no coloring way. table to a planning station, exercise bike. Um, punching bag. Punching bag. Yeah. So just really a place for kids to just stay and regroup but also a comfortable place. So when you walk in and you see a Hope Squad member, they're not sitting at a desk and, and this isn't like a formal thing. You know, they're usually plopped on the floor on some bean bags, and, and it, it just, it, it's a comforting way to address a situation 
that might not be a comfortable situation to address. So how often do you have students go into the recharge room? Well, I think the first year it was, it was really highly attended. (laughs) Um, Things have been a little bit different with the pandemic this year and just us having to tighten up with uh, safety measures. But um, truly we were seeing students every period in that room um, to the point that, that sometimes we would have two hope squad members in there just to make sure that everybody was covered. Very good. Now hope squad, how are the students picked that are on the hope squad? Tell us about the process a little bit. So through the training that we went to, um, they kind of walked us through how this happens. Okay. And it, it was really amazing. They said, just send out a survey. And basically, it was very simple questions. Who named three people in your grade that you feel like you could talk to in confidence? And what you say stays with them unless it needs to go to a counselor for safety reasons. Okay. That was it. Trustworthy. That's the, that was it. Trustworthy, that type of person. And that's all... That's all we did. So you saw names just emerge. And they said, you'll be surprised. It won't be the most popular. It won't be the best looking. It'll be the people that they believe that they can trust and have conversations with, which Mandy had mentioned earlier, they already were having these conversations. So it was easy for them, for the students to pick it out. And very quickly we had, you know, six to eight from each of the grade levels that just were, were there. And as soon as they got involved in Hope Squad, you could tell they were the right people. Mm-hmm. That's um, awesome. That is really neat. And I love you were you both have said these kids were already fielding these questions. So if nothing else, you've given them tools, you know, because I, I would feel much better as a parent that if kids are coming to my child that that they would have the tools or resources or information to handle that. Also, I, I think we noticed with some of the Hope Squad members, um, they weren't necessarily comfortable telling their parents um, when there was a situation that came across their plates. And that actually opened up a whole new avenue of conversation between parent and child um, that they didn't have initially or struggled with initially. Very good. So you train the students, students and staff are trained in QPR do you still do, I know pandemics change everything, but <laughs> if the pandemic was still here, would you still be doing those tribe things? Because I think those are, okay, those are awesome. Absolutely. It's one of the negatives this year is that we we just couldn't figure out how to put it in and yeah. keep social distance and contact trace. Contact trace and all that. It just, I got to think, it, the whole philosophy of having these little tribe meetings makes so much sense because, okay. Why are people having mental health challenges? They're feeling isolated. They're not connected. There's probably not a sense of belonging, you know, on top of whatever else is going on. But, you know, if you create an environment where people create relationships, I'm sure that decreases bullying and everything else. You know, you can't sit in a group of 10 kids for very long and not stop, you know. And we we approached it initially, um, just as you did with your survey, um, instead of trying to guess what was stressing our kids out or, or, or the situations that they did want to talk about or their, you know, their, their issues, um, we did a survey right off the bat and said, what are, you know, we're going to plan around what you guys want to talk okay. about. Um, so it was, it was kind of neat because we, we got to see some of those stressors, which allows me to say that academics is a stressor for yeah. us because that's something that the kids have told us. Sure. Yeah. 
Neat. So for our listeners, what do parents, adults need to know about mental health issues, thoughts of suicide that our young people are having, or what do they need to know to, to insert protective factors, you know? I would have to say to make sure, take them serious. Okay. If your kids, if you notice a change in their appearance, their attitude, more isolation, um, maybe ask a little bit and okay. see what's going on. Um, don't be afraid to overstep your boundaries with your child. Okay. I think so if they, a, you're asking what's going on, they're saying nothing? Just you're say saying, yeah. There's something, okay. you know, just don't be afraid to push and to ask. Okay. So be aware of signs and symptoms mm -hmm. and we can post those on our Facebook. Yes. Um, and if you guys share this out, we can, what to look for. So signs and symptoms. Mm -hmm. Sure. Uh, what else? I think for, you know, just as we've, we've discussed some of those um, students that are putting way too much stress on themselves, you also find that they have a hugely busy schedule. And so it becomes easy as a parent um, that we're just going from event to event yeah. to event, and then we're going to bed and, yeah. and we're waking up and we're doing it all over again and taking that time to have an actual talk um, and saying, I I don't really know who you are right now. So tell me about yourself. Okay. It's, it's almost like reintroducing yourself to your child, you know, it, and, and I feel like they change so much <laughs> yeah. from day to day. Um, sometimes that's just necessary. You know, tell me about you right. and, 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 and let me into your world, world just a little bit. Something you said, I think we need to discuss if your kid is going event, 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 doing homework, as an adult, it is our job to kind of help them manage that time because otherwise the time will manage them. And then you get into the cycle if they're not sleeping. And y'all know our, our kids don't like to sleep at bedtime anyways, but you add stress and whatever else is going on and then you're not sleeping, you know. So I think as an adult, beware of the signs, but also help our kids manage life and you know, I think sometimes as adults, we get wrapped up in parents about what our kids are doing ourselves because we're excited for them. But, you know, sometimes we need to be mindful of what's more important here. You know, go ahead, Jason. I think one thing I would add is, and I'm, I'm trying to think of the right words to say without um, this coming across wrong, but it can happen to everybody. Yeah. It, um, like, especially, I mean... It, being in the school, you know, we're all parents of all the students. Yeah. And probably one of the biggest challenges is some of the teachers have struggled with it. That can't be happening to this student. I know their family. Yeah. And I'm like, well, it doesn't really matter what their family. Yeah. It doesn't matter what their social, economic status. Those things are gone out right. the window. This affects every single family. It could affect every single person. And so... Um, hearing that from adults saying, well, you know, their family looks perfect. I mean, yeah. he's involved in this and this, and he's, you know, the quarterback, like he's got to be, everything's good. Look at him. Look, look at the family. They're both married. Yeah. Well, that's what it looks like. Again, that's the social media version of our lives. Right. Absolutely. And so for parents of high school students or, or any, uh, any children yeah. at all, um, just understanding and paying attention to it, it can happen to all, all yeah. of us. I appreciate you saying that. 
um, when we deal with the substance use issues as well. You know, you hear that all the time, but they're X, Y, Z, and you're like, yeah, there's no one immune, you know? One bad choice, one initiation, or family history, whatever that is, you know? So I think it's helpful for adults to say that to each other. And it's not a reflection on who you are as a parent either. You know, I think sometimes parents try to keep that close or not tell anyone. And I say over and over and over again, get help. If you see signs, if you've seen symptoms, get help. Because again, we need to get rid of stigma. And I just had the conversation with one of my young people. Um, Counseling isn't this magical thing. It's someone helping you process what's going on in your own head and helping you find tools that are going to help you navigate through life situations. And I will say when we go event, 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 our kids don't always have the tools and resources to navigate difficult situations, you know? So what happens is they don't have time to even process stuff. So they keep putting it in a box until the lid blows off and, you know, then we're dealing with a whole different issue than if they had time to process or learn day by day. So you said it can happen to anybody. Check in, speak with our kids, anything else we need to know? I think allowing your kids to have a voice. Okay. I think that, again, that's the checking in part, but also being willing to sometimes as parents hear something tough that comes from your from your child that because we're busy and we go, go, go. So when they make a comment, like listen to what they're saying, they may not come right out and say, I wish you would stop doing this and spend more time with me. But they may say, seems like we're never together. So you have to understand what that sentence really means sometimes. And then also understanding that it can happen to everyone. No one's immune and it's not necessarily our fault. Yeah. Like if it's my son or daughter, it's not necessarily my fault. I, I might not be the part sure. that created something, but I can be the solution. I can yeah. help be part of the solution. So I've, I've talked to parents many times and they're like, I don't know what I did to cause my son yeah. or daughter to be considering suicide. I'm like, you may not have done anything, anything. in particular. It's just be there and yeah. understand how to help and support. I appreciate you saying tune in to our young people. And I know that's hard because lives are busy. Um, But I have always found driving in a car with my young people, whether if if they're old enough to drive, it's easier to let them drive because then you can, they can't be on their phone and you can have conversations. I think it's much less threatening to a young person not to make those, have the eye contact um, or if they're not old enough drive to just to say, Hey, there's no phone when we're driving. Cause I want to, if I have to drive, at least I'm going to not be sitting here and not having a conversation with you. So, you know, creating some of those opportunities, I think that's an easier one than most. And, you know, the dinner table is a great one just to connect, but I know it's hard in busy lives sometimes, maybe easier during the pandemic, but so tell me, what do you hope for the, or what do you perceive the long-term results of the Hope Squad being, whether it's on those students that are Hope Squad leaders or on the young persons in your district? We're also preparing them for the, the next step, whether the next step is going straight into the workforce as, a, as an 18 or 19-year-old, or it's going into the military, or if it's going to go into college, which then goes right back to the sure. academic stressors that are there. Um, and, you know, so we're not just teaching them and, and 
not only the Hope Squad, but also trying to do the, the preventive, positive things that we do through Hope Squad for all students to, um, to grow themselves, to have more self-confidence okay. and that type of thing. Um, but I would also say the Hope Squad, I, I mean, I know of a couple of the Hope Squad members that are, because of Hope Squad, are, I know for sure, planning to do something in the counseling area. Um, are, I, we have one currently that's in college that is, I don't know what level, if it's going to okay. be truly Hope Squad, but is working with um, suicide prevention at his college right now. Oh, and he was a, a Hope Squad member last year and only for one year, you know, so some of the students got in late because they were right. older. So both just training everyone, but also the Hope Squad members and what they're going to be able to do and be leaders in the community uh, in whatever area they go to next. But um, wanted to thank the survivors of suicide for, uh, they were a huge part in getting us started. Um, you know, we saw the idea, we had ideas how to implement it, but funding it was one of the issues that obviously prevents a lot of things from taking off. Sure. And and they did a great job supporting us, thought it was great. And, um, you know, we, we try to give back and help them. And I know that they have their Survivors of Suicide Walk um, okay. in the fall. And so if you I want bet your to, Hope Squad leaders are going to be very involved in that, huh? They Well, last year they didn't get to this past <laughs> one, but they I'm sure they'll be back, yeah, yeah. back to it. So, you know, come out and support the walk. Nice. Okay. I think we're going to wrap up for sake of time, but a couple things, Jen, thank you for your work with the suicide coalition and just investing yeah. in our community and in yeah. our schools. Thank you for having us on here. Sure thing. And I thank you at Tuskegee Valley um, for just being really um, responsive to the needs of our young people and seeking out solutions. And it does sound like, you know, right people, right time, right plan. Um, but, from my understanding, y'all work with the other districts as well, right? Your youth are willing to work with the other schools, Hope Squads? Absolutely, absolutely. So I love that. I love the thought of Suicide Coalition supporting the schools, support schools supporting each other, um, because we are one big old family here. Um, so I appreciate that. But just the time and intention for staff to get involved and for to see the value of that peer-to-peer -peer work. And so I just appreciate y'all being here and the work you do and supporting our young people. And Christy's in the back of the room, uh, Wilkin with the Suicide Coalition. And I know this is your heart and passion just to see this all come together. So I just want to thank y'all for the work you do and for our listeners, um, for parents, just know that this is an issue that is clearly a pretty common issue for our young people. So don't be afraid of it. I would say, if anything, reach out to the Suicide Coalition if you want to learn more, what words to use, what questions to ask, even where these QPR trainings are because they're available for adults, just so you can get comfortable with words. Because one thing I've learned in life is we used all the wrong words for way too long. <laughs> <laughs> and, and these new words do make a difference, you know, on how our young people hear us and, and receive the information. Um, so learn more, um, reach out for help. If you are concerned about your young people, there's a lot of help available and, uh, just thank you. Catch you next week. Hey.
Thanks for listening to this episode of the Tuscarawas County Anti-Drug Coalition podcast. Please follow us on Facebook and visit our website at adctusk.org.